This podcast is part of the Treksphere Network. To find more Star Trek-related content, visit treksphere.com. The last one, I think the last one where you were doing the intro, it sounded like you were being made to do this at gunpoint. <laughs> As you know, this is the measure of an episode <laughs> where it is our continuing mission. <laughs> I'm Jonathan. Just the whole time. <laughs> This week, we watched. <laughs> the, the blurb says, <laughs> "Like we never get, we never get a hold of ourselves either. We're just always hysterical, <laughs> just sobbing through the whole thing." <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's see what we're watching next. Well, no, it's just like when the Andorans came into the room and the Vulcans. Oh. Ah. <laughs> Did you notice? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be it would be like five hours long <laughs> the episode at that point, right? I have to listen to it at like and, two times speed. And what's the outcome of the people holding the guns? Like, what what are they after? Right. <laughs> We never find out, Paul. That's the problem. That's the problem, yeah. All right. As you know, this is the measure of an episode where it is our continuing mission to explore what makes a proper, a genuine Star Trek episode and not just, no, I messed that up. I skipped a whole part. (laughs) And not just a Star Trek episode. (laughs) (laughs) But you know the tune. I'm Paul. And I'm Jonathan, and this week we watched The Andorian Incident, which is an Enterprise episode. It was Season 1, Episode 7? Is that right? Six. Six. Season 1, Episode 6. And the blurb from Hulu... Wait. What? How do we know if a Star Trek episode is a proper Star Trek episode? Oh, you're right. Sorry. Nobody knows we're, that. Right. We're skipping over everything. Uh, we do it with three <laughs> they criteria. They know the intro, but they don't know the criteria. <laughs> right. So give them the criteria. <laughs> Um, the first thing is, is there sci-fi in the plot? It's required to be there. You can't just, uh, you, you can't take the sci-fi out and have the plot still work. The second part is, is that sci-fi presented in a unique or novel way? And the third thing, is there a moral or ethical dilemma that a character, any character has to face? Um, still Jonathan. And I'm still Paul. And this week... (laughs) Oh, it's my, I I see. Right. We watched Enterprise Season 1, Episode 6, The Andorian Incident. And the blurb says, Jonathan, because I forgot to write it down in my notes. Oh, but you got to, like, remember where there's two different ones, and we got to see which one is more accurate. Archer, Tripp, and T'Pol make first contact with the suspicious and militaristic Andorians while helping to reveal the secrets within the ancient Vulcan monastery of Pajem. And, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, What's the other one? Uh, whereas the prime one said when visiting an ancient Vulcan spiritual temple, the crew of the enterprise discovers that the monastery has been overthrown by Andorians, an alien race with a history of fighting with Vulcans. See, that would have been the better plot line. Had we not known that the monastery had already been taken over by the Andorians, it would have been an interesting surprise, but we already knew that. Right. So I don't know. It was just, uh, that, that's kind of my complaint about this whole episode is nothing interesting happened except the end. The end was interesting. Yeah. Where it was finally revealed. Yeah. Like it just seemed like they were 
I mean, spoiler, I guess, but they were trying to just escape <laughs> and get out of there. And then it turns out that the Andorians were right all along. Right. Instead, the, the whole episode opens with like this weird Vulcan spa beauty shots mm-hmm. with like the massage music going with like that weird generic wooden flute sound yeah. going. Uh, but I will say, could this be the shortest intro or cold open? Because I know you said that the one with the doctor in Voyager, where he's like trapped by himself on Voyager that we've already watched at some point in the past 89 episodes, <laughs> that you said that one was the the shortest. This one must be pretty short too, right? Yeah. No, we haven't we haven't hit the shortest episode yet. Uh, I don't remember which one it oh. is. But, um, but yeah, yes, this one was very short, but there was still more setup than the shortest one has. I don't yeah. So then we see the Andorians. They come in. And uh, they, they're they up to no good, clearly. And I think this is the first time we're introduced to Wei Yun, or uh, also known as Jeffrey Combs, as the Andorian yes. guy. Shran. Yeah. And then there's um, there's his children, which is Shran Legacy. Really? No, let's play on Tron. Oh, oh. <laughs> Look, I have a cold, dude. It's not fair. You can't make jokes that have multiple steps of, of thought process. <laughs> right. Like, Especially about a movie that nobody cared about. Well, Disney clearly did because they keep trying to throw Tron at us. I know. But, I know. you know, there's like the seven people who care and are so vocal on the internet. <laughs> the score was great. <laughs> the what? What about the movie? Uh, anyway, so this whole show, when we finally get up to Enterprise, finally, I say, it's the shortest intro. And like, we finally get up to Enterprise. <laughs> After 15 seconds, they're finally up there. Man, now the story can start. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, but wait. Does it start? We don't know. Because they're, I think, once again, sitting down at a meal. No. They have, no, they're talking about how the Vulcans, like, their, their, their star charts are wrong. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I was thinking to myself, uh, I kind of forgot that this was episode six of season one. And they were... They kind of were going through their motions a little bit. I was like, why is the acting so stilted right, right now? Yeah. T'Pol was just just asleep. A she was a nap worth of a character. And Archer is almost, is like super folksy. Yeah. That's even possible. <laughs> like, he was more folksy than he normally is. Well, He's see, like I super, actually, oh boy. I actually enjoyed T'Pol in this episode because based on what we've seen her become, like, it genuinely seemed like she was hiding her disgust on right. on this ship you know and they revealed why she was so disgusted was because she has to live with this smell all the time yeah but they super abandoned the smell thing they never i mean in the later seasons they've never talked about it ever again um no they, there were a couple of sides to it but it i mean it's not a plot point by any stretch of the imagination well yeah i mean they talk about it like four or five times throughout the course of this episode <laughs> right and with no payoff either like there's no reason for it yeah it's not like there's there's no Chekhov's gun to that at all. It's just humans smell. Yeah, they do. Right. <laughs> Sheriff says what they smell like. <laughs> like what do we what do we smell like? Right. We all smell the same. Well, and I also like that <laughs> Archer. You know, it, later on in the episode, she's like, "I would rather be cold than be close to the smell," and he's like, "Oh, just get in the blanket with me." Oh boy, and. <laughs> Sorry, that makes it sound a lot creepier. That was supposed to be my... <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Get in the blanket. 
Oh boy. <laughs> and he keeps his arm like where her head should go and she doesn't lay her head down. Right. She's like, oh, I, w- I should start another conversation immediately. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, it was very much for me, like the, the closest analogy I can think of is, you know, somebody saying I, I had COVID and I lost my sense of smell and they're like, well, but just, just smell how good this is. Just smell it. <laughs> yeah. And I think actually, apropos, Trip has a cold. He seems like he has a cold in this episode. Just like kind of getting over it like the last day, you know? Right. Um, I don't know if that's just because I should, we should watch the first episode just to make sure that that's not just how we talk. He did, he did not seem as good old boy. In this, he seemed like he was a little bit more rough around the edges as a character. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, and uh, and he seemed a lot more accepting of the cultures rather than being totally weirded out by everything that was happening as that happens later <laughs> in the seasons. Oh, I thought you meant like uh, as opposed to the southern bigot he normally is. Right. <laughs> just so – I mean, yeah, southern bigot, but like also just so bent on that's not how we do it. Therefore, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Yeah, just sort of absolute judgment yeah. of anything that differs from his up, upbringing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and so then we get the lowdown on this, from T'Pol, the lowdown on this monastery place where people go, it's like a spa, basically, mm-hmm. a Vulcan spa where they can meditate in perpetuity. Right. And she gives us sort of how you're supposed to, don't touch them, don't, you know, wait for them to do this, wait five seconds. And one thing I noticed about... Vulcans and kind of all aliens in Star Trek, for that matter, they all kind of have this absolute continuity of culture where all Vulcans seem to know all the intricacies of all of Vulcan culture. Yes. Meaning, like, if we were to be just dropped off somewhere in the middle of Asia, we would probably not know what the hell was going on, right? Right. I mean, we right we might see, like, the, the good luck kitty or we might see, like, a Buddha temple or... A Buddha statue or something like that. But we, yeah, we would not be able to go into detail on every little thing that's there. Right. We wouldn't be able to give you the the contact protocols of everything that's supposed to happen as though we do it ourselves. Right. right? right. But it seems like all aliens don't have that in Star Trek. It's all, they're from the same exact culture. Yeah. They all know what you're supposed to do. Even in uh, Next Gen, all it goes all through the series where they all, every alien you meet knows how these people they don't know Mm-hmm. Are going to act right? Yeah, and it would be a, like that. That can actually be a really strong plot point. Obviously, you can't use it every episode, but for somebody to be like, "I don't know what this does. I don't know what this is," and like that actually moves the plot forward. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't. No, but they didn't do. That. But they didn't do that ever. Um, or also, like, just whenever they talk about this stuff, have them holding a tricorder or a pad or something like. Or even, like, clicking their communicator and just letting the communicator, letting the computer tell them what they need to know. Like, you do not have to... That would be interesting, yeah. Yeah, you don't need to have a scientist or, you know, have everybody be a scientist who knows everything about the culture. Not not everyone is an anthropologist. (laughs) Well, yeah, except Picard. Right. He's, yeah. Yeah, not everyone is going to have this information, so it could be fun to discover it over the course of a plot. Kind of like they did in... Oh, uh, what's the one where they speak in metaphor? Dar, uh, I mean... Darmok? Yeah. Darmok? Yeah. Yeah. Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Yeah. And, like, that was that's what made that episode interesting, is the discovery of the culture, not just that it was de facto, mm-hmm. we know about it already. Right. 
so anyway, then we finally get down to the planet, and we know what's going to happen because we know the Andorians are already there. And we know, like, it, how much better would it have been if T'Pol becomes suspicious, but we don't know the Andorians are there. And they, they right. happen upon, and they just see this blue guy hiding in the corner. And like, <laughs> what's going on? Is this part of it? Is this the Vulcan's pet? Well, yeah, like, it would have been great if they, they knew something was wrong, and they turn the corner, and there's just an Andorian holding them at gunpoint. <laughs> and he sees it. He's like, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> He got caught. Doesn't want the other Andorians to know he got caught. He's just going to try and, and just stretch this out as much as he possibly can. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, like, he's – so the Andorian is holding, you know, Trip turns around the corner. And so he turns back to Archer and it's like, Commander, have you ever been to the Tibetan temples? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you crying, Trip? I keep wanting to make him George W. Bush. Like – Will Ferrell's version of George W. Bush. That's 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 what keeps like that, coming yeah. out when I try to do his impression. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's Texas guy. Um, so I don't know where it happens, but there is a tapestry in one of the hallways that is used uh, twice or twice. It was used twice before. Chronologically, it will be used twice later. But uh, the first one is in the Voyager episode. Is that? Right. Uh, no, sorry. It was in the Enterprise episode, Stigma, mm-hmm. and, which we watched. And it was in the TNG episode, Devil's Due. Oh, interesting. Yeah. How is that possible? <laughs> Once well, because, again. <laughs> because we're getting into the higher numbers of, uh, of episodes. Like, you know, we're, we are bound to hit props that have been used in episodes that we've watched. So, I guess that's true. Yeah. But we just watched them. I guess we didn't watch Stigma that much longer. No, Devil's Stigma Due. was episode seven. <laughs> that was a while ago when you said that we'd watched it before i was like have we okay i I know i know well yeah that's actually genuinely how i was feeling about it i was like did we watch that before it sounds really familiar they all kind of sound equally familiar and unfamiliar at this point (laughs) at this point yeah um, also, quick side note, it has nothing to do with the plot at all, but uh, this episode was directed by uh, Roxanne Dawson. Did you see that? Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Directed by Bolana. So, right. that was kind of cool. Who, yeah, who I think is a director now. Oh, just in general? I don't think she acts. Yeah, I don't think she acts. Yeah, I don't I think, think she, I don't think she acts at all, but I didn't know she went behind the camera. That's cool. Good to know. So, we get down there, and I felt like their introduction of this monastery and therefore the the Vulcan cultural aspect of it all, mm-hmm. could have been so much more interesting. It just felt very uncreative, the way that they did this stuff. They could have had a lot of weird hoops they had to jump through to get through the door, and that could have been part of it. I mean, I know that it's not going to be, you know, <laughs> Nickelodeon Funhouse, but, no, what was it called? Nickelodeon, where they had to go through all the obstacle courses or they got slimed? Uh, I mean, uh, Double Dare? Funhouse? Double Dare. Okay. Uh. You know, not that, but something where it just wasn't them walking through a door. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it, and it's, I just felt like it's just very uncreative introduction of this. It could have been better. Yeah. Could have, could have been a little bit better. And I understand it's season one, one yeah. episode six. But I don't know. That's when they had all the money and all the hype behind them. You might as well play off of that. Yeah. I mean, the, the temple itself was pretty intricate. And there was that, like, sliding door in the in their chamber room that they kept sleeping sneaking into and i don't remember the catacombs ever being used before or after but you're right to just have it be an open hall with a receptionist 
with like <laughs> the the mild Chinese folding door that or the Chinese folding wall that is between them and the Andorian. Like it's it was very Earth Spa like. Totally. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can hear that or not, but just to just to clarify, like okay, they're gone now. Never mind. There were sir- there, there's sirens on my side, and like they were getting oh. louder, and so I was I was going to say like they're they're coming up, but you might not hear. I thought like a resident animal who lived in your garage. <laughs> I'm just coming back from groceries, getting groceries, and they're gone. No, just a resident animal. I'm like, okay, hang on, hang on. I I can't talk or move for a second. Hold on. <laughs> Shit, it's sobbing. I like that we don't reveal what kind of animal too. Right. <laughs> This is like the Blair Witch of podcast episodes. <laughs> don't move. <laughs> what is I'm sorry to my mom. <laughs> to Mike's mom. Oh shit, he dropped a carrot. He's going to come back for it. He still got the groceries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you come back and then you're fine. It's like the, the danger is over once they go back into their little house. Right, right. Anyway, yeah, it seemed like a spa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they get taken prisoner by the Andorians. And it seemed like overkill the way they took they tried to take control of the guy hiding behind the screen door thing. But anyway, they get taken well, control. And they I, get I did genuinely like that it was kind of done in slow motion or it was shown at different angles over the same thing. And the end result was that all of them were like just fumbling on the ground. <laughs> the, the only plan was to knock the whole thing over onto him and it busted as it went and they had no follow-up other than to like just knock it over on him there's two of them and the andorians seem to be more slight than humans it was it was archer and trip who dive on this guy and they they don't even take his gun away right. they start beating him up but he's still holding his plastic gun yeah well, dumb. I, mean, they, I feel like did. there's a, a pretty like pathetic display of st- strategy yes. <laughs> for for these people who are have been trained to go into space and meet new civilizations. They're really bad at disarming and disabling people. Uh huh. So they go, they get put in this Vulcan holding cell, right? And all the Vulcans are still there, and they call the Andorians call the humans pink skins, which you get the impression it's supposed to be kind of a uh, not nice thing to say to them. But the Vulcans are not called pink skins. I was going to say, yeah. But all the rest of the aliens around them are also pink skins. Maybe it's just what they call everybody. Like, you're either Andorian or pink skin. Or brown skin. If you're, well, that's a little but, yeah, but, <laughs> but they don't. They have the same exact complexion as humans, Vulcans do. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Andorians call every... every everybody. White, just everybody. White person pink skin. Well, because, I mean, if they run into Kling- Klingons, they wouldn't call them pink skins. They'd call them bumpy ridges, brown skin. That's where the brown skin was coming from. They just pick the yeah. They pick the uh, the most obvious thing, and it becomes a thing. like so, like a so a, maybe it is pointy ears. bully, right? <laughs> yeah. And since we have no feature that is overly different from theirs, they just have to call us pink skin. I want to, I want to know. They almost got into it with the Andorians. What their antenna do? What sort of sensory perception they give them? They said, and you know, I think Trip said something about. Of course, it was Trip, right? <laughs> the bigoted Texan. He said something about their their antenna, and I I want to know: do they provide 
some kind of extrasensory, not like telepathy, but just right. you no, know, no, some no. sort yeah. of extra thing. Yeah. Uh, but they've never gone into it. No. But I love that they moved the first time. I was expecting them or expecting that feature of their anatomy, the fact that they kind of move on screen, to be something that they just like developed, developed later in, yeah. in the show. Yeah. But they moved. I was so happy to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I I was trying to watch to see if there was any indication as to what it meant. And what I noticed was when the Andorians got angry, the antennas bent back. Or when they kind of got into like an aggressive mode, the antennas went back. And oh, I, cool. Yeah, and I, I, I would imagine that that is a defense mechanism of when I'm going to fight, I need to keep my antennas back so they don't get damaged. Right. Yeah. Don't get lopped off. Yeah. I also like the idea. So there's the kind of extra rapey Andorian. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah. But I like the idea that their antenna kind of rubbed together. Like you're doing this on you with your hands. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> no, they don't. I, but oh, okay. 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 <laughs> yeah. I was actually one, like, I was watching for antenna to actually like touch each other, but, but yeah, I, I missed it. So I was, I was sad that you said that. No, I'm, I feel better knowing that that didn't happen. Well, I'm sure it would cause some sort of weird internal feedback loop if they, oh, they touched each other. I do need to tell you like, so this is, this is the level that we are not. This is one of the facts about this episode that is just, it's impressive, but it's also far beyond the nerdiness that you and I hold. Okay. Um, Let's have it. So the, the definition of warp factor doesn't work in this episode because the star of the monastery circles is an actual known star that lies at a known distance from Earth. If the Enterprise, with its maximum warp of 5.1, headed for it upon leaving Earth in the first episode, it could have just made the trip, which leaves zero time for the various other Johnson time spent in the preceding six episodes or five episodes. So warp huh. speed needs to be faster based on what happened in the previous five episodes. <laughs> Somebody figured that. So uh, there is a defined speed for what warp factor is somewhere. I mean, obviously like they're in the show, right? Obviously in the, in the original series warp was whatever it needed to be by enterprise. They had fig, they had already calculated through other episodes and through like just various things through, through the show, what warp speed was. Having said that, there are many episodes where warp speed is what the episode required it to be. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I guess we have to stop doing the show now since you found that. <laughs> right? This is the first kinda episode ru- that's had such me. a glaring flaw. It's ruined Star Trek for us. Can't do it anymore. <laughs> it's like the last episode of How I Met Your Mother. Never want to go back to any of the other shows. Totally. Or Lost. But even Lost, like you, you crapped out early on. Yeah. What? No, I watched the whole thing. I just watched it. I was like hate watching it. Right. Okay. Sorry. So yeah, you, but you got to the point where like you, you knew you were going to be disappointed by the end. For me personally, like with How I Met Your Mother, it was the last episode for both of them. (laughs) Actually for me, for Lost, it was the second to last episode, but, but yeah. Yeah. I I, I knew the whole time. Well, no, I I kind of had that glimmer of hope, you know? Yeah. But yours was so cynical. You were like. I I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, and it's great, <laughs> yeah. but it won't be. Well, I'm never wrong about these things. I was right, I was right about that. I was right about how I met your mother too. But well, but you said that Robin was the mom, and she was not the mom. Well, she ultimately was. <laughs> I'm like half right. I'm like half right. <laughs> I mean, you you were right that it was always about Robin. Like, 
and she was she was going to be the one that he married in the end, which is what happened. I will say though, they did a great job with the actual mother at the the first episode of the last season by ingratiating us to her. Yes, that casting, writing, I was like, I was on board. Right, like, this should be Ted's not mom. <laughs> <laughs> this should be the mom, yes. Ted's wife. Yeah. Anyway, and like, can we? Say, that's yeah. why this episode kills Star Trek for us. <laughs> so we get to the part where they find out there's like a hidden, you know, a, a hidden doorway where they just turn a thing and it goes back. <laughs> it that seems was... like that should show up on some scans. Well, but... I, I mean, I, I got that it didn't show up on the scans just because it was so deep within the the catacombs. But they, what I didn't like was how easy, how weakly the door was hidden. <laughs> But why weren't they all hiding in there? If they couldn't detect it, why didn't they all just go in there and wait it out? See, and I, th- I think that would have opened up the, all of the the implications that there were secret places to hide. And that means the Andorians would have just been more aggressive in their searches than they already were. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I felt like this episode, just nothing happened. There was nothing interesting about this episode. Just until the end. Until the end. Yeah. Yeah. The, literally the last 30 seconds of the show. Yeah, there should have been something more to this episode to fill in the 45 minutes, because I really don't think that that reveal could have happened any earlier, especially with how it was handled at the end. You know, he like they're all fighting and then Archer just gets all the pictures and then gives them to the Andorians, you know, and he's like, here's here's your evidence. And this is uh, I, I I'm so conflicted about that because I completely agree that Archer is saying, you know, don't sit there and tell them that there isn't one when there is. That's not right. But he also just jumped into this argument. And so he has no idea what's led up to this other than what the Vulcans have told him. Well, it was very, the Vulcans, regardless of their, of the humans pact or agreement with the Vulcans of which I don't really know at this point, maybe they go into it in earlier episodes, but what their operating agreement is um, because obviously the Vulcans know more about space and the races who inhabit it than the humans do. They, they kind of imply that with this episode that you're supposed to like in the flocks conversation, which I loved by the way, and by the way, everybody is kind of stilted in their, in their character acting except, except for flocks. Mm Mm-hmm. He is the stalwart of character integrity. He had that that guy going episode one. Yeah. And never changed. Yep. It was great. Uh, but they imply that the Vulcans are letting humans experience and discover space uh, without them telling them about it to a certain extent. Right. So uh, I don't know what that, what that agreement actually is, the intricacies of it, but I did like that it, even though the Andorians were being violent and a-holes, that they made an agreement with these people. They had a treaty and they were being disingenuous and cagey about this super huge underground research. I don't know, antenna, (laughs) (laughs) whatever it was. I don't know why they needed this gigantic room, but I don't know. It was like super shady on the Vulcans part. Yeah. And it's kind of unclear that if T'Pol knew about it, I assume that she didn't. She, she seemed, I mean, again, and Jillian Blaylock is probably one of the better Vulcans having to rewatch this stuff. I, I did not like her um, when she was first, the, the when she was the first Vulcan, um, when she was, sorry, when she, when the episodes were first on. But yeah. I, 
watching it again, I've come to really appreciate her Vulcan demeanor because it did look, I mean, she was angry at Archer for questioning her loyalty and she seemed to be genuinely upset that the Vulcans had lied. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and it kind of felt very Romulan-esque. Felt like, oh, you guys, this feels like, you guys feel like Romulans right now. Yeah. Not Vulcan. With the deception. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they were they were being eight holes. They were. And so that's why Archer did that. Probably should not have stepped in between. We're getting into some not first contact, what's it called? Primary Prime Directive. The Prime Directive. There we go. But Prime Directive uh, basically about. only falls about pre warp culture. Right, but this whole idea of don't mess in other people's business. Like this is not the human's business. They only just learned about it a day ago. Right. I, I understand he should be a little bit more reticent other than just starting to favor people. <laughs> but he was pissed. <laughs> he was super pissed. Yeah. I mean, he's already got a chip on his shoulder against the Vulcans anyway. And so to find out that this just kind of supports his theory that the Vulcans are hiding things in general. And for it to be yeah. this this blatant, both in what they were hiding and the fact that they were hiding – I think was just a, a breaking point for him as far as, I mean, obviously it was the heat of the moment, but he genuinely was like, here's all the information you need. I'm out. And I know we're never going to know this, but I, I am truly intrigued as to the origins and intent behind this facility. Right. I want to know, I want to know, is this part of the Vulcan government or whatever, or are these like a, a faction, an extremist faction? I mean, given how big it was, it had to have been from the Vulcan embassy, whatever that is. Uh, I don't know. We kind of already got to the end. Uh, just yeah. uh, this to me is not a not a Star Trek. Oh no, there's something else I want to talk about. Okay. So I was wondering when Archer asks, he's been they've been held hostage for a while. He asks, he got he brings the guy in, he brings Wei Yun in, Wei Bloon. Blue? Wait, <laughs> nice. Make, trying to make it trying to make it work. Doesn't work. Right. Doesn't really work. Right. Uh and he says, I need to talk to you right away. I have information for you. They take him in and he starts kind of hamming it up. And you know, he's he's asking for an ass whooping, mm-hmm. I guess. Because yeah. he knows it's coming. Yep. And he makes his way over and he throws something into like the giant face in whatever room the Andorians are camped out in. Right. I'm like, ooh, what's happening? What's going on? What has he now planted? Is it a bomb? Right. Is it a small human? I don't know. But this is something. I finally, finally, something is happening. You put your phone down and started watching? Yeah, exactly. I t- took it off five and a half speed. I was like, oh, maybe something will happen now. And so then uh, they get back in there and Trip comes out. Of, like he put, they put Archer. He's beaten back into the, the holding cell. Right. And then, and then Trip comes back in and gets the little figurine. Yeah. He's like, I know where they are now, and we found them. All right. You know, I was like, that was the plan? This whole 10-minute sequence was like, oh, we now know where the, the, the giant thing is? It's like, you couldn't just go exploring and look through the slit holes of the eyeballs and see that's where the Andorians were? So, I mean, kind of, yeah. So they weren't, they were told that they weren't allowed to go down that hallway. But also, the, I think that just the editing revealed it to us sooner than it was intended. Like they should not have had those three lights fade to the the face in the front. I don't know. It just seems like it seemed like a lot of business to say like, oh yeah, that's definitely the place where the Andorians are. When they could have just peered through the holes and right. looked at, like they do later. Well, right, but they they didn't do that because they didn't know that's where the lights were, and they were told not to go down that hallway. 
But then why do they go down the hallway? How did Trip get down the hallway then? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. To get the right. figurine. Right. They had to go down the hallway no matter what. So this whole, like, I don't know, it was just lazy. Yeah. No, it, I don't. I don't think it was lazy. I think it was more of just again. We were we were told it before the characters knew because of that fade. Like if it had just been a hard cut and then we saw all this happening, then then it could have been like, oh, they figured out that those lights were from the face. Okay, got it. Um, but we already yeah. knew that beforehand. There was so much focus on that face. Yes, they did a lot of face stuff Yeah, like, from the very beginning. And I thought it was going to be something interesting I th- that happened. I thought it was going to be a seat. The, I thought it was going to be the door to the, uh, to the sensor array. Right. Yeah. So, but it wasn't. But it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but regard, I mean, so that, that was a bit of a twist. Like, you know. I, I assumed so because of how much they were focusing on it, but then it just turned out to just be the place where they could spy on them. Right. So we get to the end of the episode, and the uh, Enterprise crew storms the Andorian encampment inside of the uh, the Vulcan Center for Wellness, and it just felt super like as as badass as what's his name is supposed to be, the security officer Malcolm Reed. It yeah. did not. F- yeah. It just it felt like a a massive fuck up, right? People get shot. Like they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be the equivalent of Marines, mm-hmm. right? Where they go in, they're super surgical. They know exactly what to do. And I, I don't feel like the Andorians aren't that big of a threat. They're just sort of grunts with guns, right? you know, mm-hmm. and they don't, they just feel, they're not threatening. The Andorians really aren't that super threatening. I think cause they're shorter. <laughs> and also the Vulcans, they're super strong. They should have been able – there's only four Andorians. I feel like the, the Vulcans should have some sort of edge on disabling this, these four guys. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, just the fight in general, it just seemed weird that the Andorians had their guns on stun. Like when that Starfleet officer got shot, I immediately believed that he was dead until he started to sit up again. And, <laughs> and he's like – <laughs> no, I'm well, they're wearing a phaser-proof vest. <laughs> right, right. You were just saying they are the Marines, yeah. So that totally makes yeah. sense. I mean, it would seem silly that they would just go in with the only thing protecting them from an obvious gunfight is some cloth. Right. They would have something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They've got to because that's a thing that showed up in the past <laughs> and never showed up again. Well, if they can make it up, I can. <laughs> They're just making stuff up. Right. Um, but yeah, there was so much missing in this on both sides. And they're just destroying all the Vulcan artifacts. <laughs> yeah, it did feel very like it was a naked gun episode at that point. You have to make sure you do not. These artifacts are 10,000 years old. Right. They cannot be destroyed. We are psychically linked to them. If they go, <laughs> we go. <laughs> they, they give no consideration to these things they're just shooting yeah i just i was expecting the vulcan who was watching i mean it's kind of sad that it was a vulcan who's emotionless but maybe just to stand there and have like a single tear roll down as he's watching (laughs) all of these artifacts be destroyed well we know that they're all props because there's the the facility on the other side of the door but i like the idea that they bring the vulcan down with them and 
since he has previously stated that they are psychically linked, and if if one of these artifacts goes, that they go. So one of one of them gets destroyed. Everybody turns to the Vulcan to see if anything happens, and he realizes that he has to start now play acting as though he's being he's being vanquished. Right. Yeah. Oh, I just I figured each prop was a Vulcan, and so you know every time one <laughs> broke, they looked at him to see if he was the one who died. Nope, that was Jerry. <laughs> Jerry's dead now. Gerald. <laughs> It'd be like G comma R R Y. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jerry. Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry. Yeah. Anyway, I, it just felt uh, like nothing happened in this episode. I do not believe this is a Star Trek episode of genuinity. Okay. Where, so. The right, ethical well, thing is there. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But yeah, but no, nothing. I'll yeah, I'll concede. Why did you have? I I felt like it. No, I I felt like it was, but I couldn't place where the sci-fi was. So I was hoping that you would come saying it was because I I <laughs> this was a slow episode. And it was a slow burn episode, and I feel like the editing kind of gave away more than it should have. But I I liked the episode, so I, I liked it enough to to kind of hope that it would be a proper Star Trek. But I was thinking about it last night and this morning, and I couldn't figure out what made it a proper Star Trek episode, like what, what, where the sci-fi was. And so right. I was hoping you could bring it to the table, but nope. I got nothing yeah. on that one. I couldn't find it, and you're saying it's not, so it's not. I kind of felt like I liked the episode almost, only for the potential of the, I thought the Andorians were cool. Finally, we get to see some sort of expression of the Andorians that's not just, oh, they're blue. Right. And they have antenna. And I liked the mystique behind the Vulcan monks. Mm-hmm. I wanted there to be more about that, I wanted to get a little bit more insight to the crazy Vulcans right. who just meditate 24 hours a day, 37 <laughs> hours a day, 24 human hours. Yeah. But it did nothing happened. Like we didn't get any of that, but I liked the I guess I liked the, the setting. The setting was neat for me. Yeah, the the setting was neat. I I definitely liked uh to Paul in this episode. Um this episode was very much kind of a reflective realization. Like just thinking back on the episodes we've watched and seeing this first season episode, um, it made me feel more impressed by her take on Vulcans than I originally thought. Um, I just thought that she was a bad actress, which playing Vulcan is very (laughs) difficult to do because you kind of have to be cardboard if you are straight Vulcan. See, I disagree with that though, because I think that if we're we're taking... Leonard Nimoy. We can't. We can't. That's the problem because he's he's half human. Right, but he was mostly Vulcan in his expression. Right? <laughs> they 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 would normally he would no, like he he was not being a Vulcan slash human. Like there was not half and half in terms of oh, this is the human side talking, this is the Vulcan side talking. He was always pushing away his human side. Right. He was pretending it didn't exist. And so I think if we're taking that, I think the expression of a Vulcan would be more, I guess, contempt and arrogance. And it kind of plays that way with, with Spock. And I think Tuvok does a little bit of that as well, where he's kind of better than everything. There's that, that kind of de facto arrogance. But she was playing it as just personality-less. See, and, and like I, I said, there's a difference. again, I might be projecting onto her the expected emotion, but I felt like there was disgust in the beginning when she had to go into the room with Archer and Trip and hear about how the Vulcan star charts were wrong. And there was disgust about 
having to get close to him in the blanket. And then there was a genuine like conflict in- internally when she found out that the Vulcans had yes, indeed been lying. Yeah. Mm. That's that's I'll give it to I'll, I'll, I mean I'll give it to you. It's it's an inference because you know she's not <laughs> conveying these emotions, but <laughs> just the I, yeah I understood I understood what she was supposed to be doing. Right. I just felt like she didn't quite nail it. Sure. It felt like she was too understated. She was trying to be understated, and it came off as just vacuous. Right. Yeah. She wasn't being sort of judgy, uh, confident. Mm-hmm. Judging and confident, right. she was being more vapid, I guess. Yeah. Like, like there was nothing going on. I don't, I don't know. Um, that's what kind of turned me off. And I think she gets better, obviously, as the show goes on. Right. Well, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> Is she that subtle that it can come across as she's just underplaying it or is she is she genuinely not have the ropes on it yet and i'm expecting her to do more so i'm seeing more there well and it's arguable that she as a character to paul yeah is uncomfortable as much as she would like to admit that she isn't right or like to not admit that she is <laughs> those are two different things but she is uncomfortable she says i've only been there for nine weeks mm-hmm. and four days and i'm not i'm not in my best light I'm not in my element. Right. And so I'm, I feel uncomfortable and I feel unconfident in my duties. Right. Yeah. And I feel, I, I personally am taking that to be, okay, this is better acting than I thought it was. And you're saying, no, she just doesn't have her character yet. Okay. Let's see what we're watching next. Um, no, Deep Space Nine, Family Business, season three, episode 23. And the blurb says, An agent named Brunt from the Ferengi Commerce Authority serves Quark with a writ of accountability for improper supervision of a family member. (laughs) Sounds riveting. That's from... Absolutely riveting. That's from Netflix. And so, yeah. I mean, that's going to be in the cold open for sure. Yeah. And then the episode will be be about how Jake has to do some internal investigating. (laughs) As to who stole his baseball or something (laughs) like that. Yeah. <laughs> or it's the a flashback of Gorn's life or something. Not Gorn, uh Morn. Well, maybe Gorn. Right. <laughs> Just I won't know. <laughs> well, let's go watch it. Let's find out. Okay. I've been Paul. I've been Jonathan. And this has been the measure of an episode. But you already knew that. Wait a minute. No, you, you What? You have to say it as as Cisco, dude. Oh, Come that's on. right. That's sorry. <laughs> For some reason I wanted to fade away. I think because of the reverb. I was like, this is Sound interesting. Um, Sorry. All right. (laughs) But you already knew that.